that. In the midst of our burdens we carry right now, Lord, with, with the busyness of school, with the, thinking about the housing lottery today, and, and, and thinking about whatever else is going on in our lives personally and around us, God, we thank you that your love never fails, and we trust you and your goodness. We trust you in your presence. We trust you in your victory this day. In Jesus' name, everyone said, you grab a seat. Couple quick things. I'm Forrest. Great to be here with you in worship today. One, there's a there's a board, a red board at the back there with silver markers. If you haven't yet and you want to sign, put a, a scripture verse on there. It's going to be in the new wing here at the Beeksma Family Theology Center. So sign that, put a verse. It'll be inside the walls. No one will ever see it except God. And you get a chance to just know that they were writing writing that scripture, God's word, on, on the walls of that building as it goes up. Second thing is, we're so excited to have Steffi back, healthy here. Yeah. Woo! Oh, look at that. Come <laughs> oh, praise God for that, huh? Steffi's, Steffi and her worship team for our church are leading a, a, a gospel, a praise team, gospel praise chapel on Thursday, so you don't want to miss that one. And, uh, and today we're here to, to worship God together, so let's continue worship as Kent brings the word. I got to move this because I'm certainly going to knock this... I'm, I, I just, you know, I'm going to move. And what was that dance move, Stephanie? I mean, what in the world? Wow, wow, wow. <laughs> yeah, I, I have a tendency to roam, so here we go. Hey, this morning we're going to be looking at uh, Revelations chapter 12 and 13, like, whoa. Uh, and chapter 12 begins with this imaginative retelling of the nativity story. It's not the nativity story that we kind of know at Christmas. This one depicts this cosmic fight between Mary, the baby Jesus, and the seven-headed dragon called the Great Dragon. Uh, now, just again to remind us about Revelation, this is subversive, satanic, government, anti-government, insurrectionary metaphor on steroids. <laughs> it's called apocalyptic writing is what it's called. And John is slamming Rome the dragon with cryptic imagery so that the Roman government would never know what's really going on. I mean, this is the deal. We read that this dragon was pursuing the woman who had given birth to a male child. I mean, here's the deal. Jesus' birth excites more than the wonder of donkeys and lambs and little cows and shepherds out in a field. I mean, no, this dragon provokes Satan himself. Rome is provoked into violence by the birth of this baby Jesus. It rouses Herod. We read about it in Matthew 2, where he wants to take out, King Herod wants to take out all the baby, male babies, two years old and younger, so he can get rid of this baby Messiah. And so in a dream, Mary and Joseph flee to Egypt. I mean, we read about this in very metaphorical language. Listen, Revelations 12, 13. When the dragon saw that he had been hurled to the earth, he pursued the woman who had given birth to the male child. The woman was given the two wings of a great eagle so that she might fly to the place prepared for her in the wilderness where she would be taken care of for a time, time and a half, a time out of the serpent's reach, oh, Egypt. Then from the mouth of the serpent spewed water like a river to overtake the woman and sweep her away in the torrent. And we wonder, can baby Jesus survive the violence of Rome? 
Will the baby survive? Is Satan going to win? Then the impossible happens. The child survives. This baby grows up, and Jesus brings the good news. And once again, the dragon raises its head, inciting like Judas and Pilate to eventually even betray this now-grown baby and eventually hang him on a cross. But the baby conquers even death and rises from the dead. The baby rises. This Jesus rises from the dead. So check this out. But the earth helped the woman by opening its mouth and swallowing the river that the dragon had spewed out of its mouth. And then the dragon was enraged at the woman and went off to wage war against the rest of her offspring. By the way, that's us. Those who keep God's commands and hold fast their testimony about Jesus. Oh, yeah. The dragon did not take out Jesus. Even when the empire killed him on a cross, he rose from the dead. Verse 16 says, it was like the, the, we are the, the, it was like the earth swallowing up, like the river that the dragon swam in. And then we're faced. Well, we're just hosed. We got a problem. Because the dragon's pissed. And he's given power to two freaking beasts. And this isn't in some... Because we are the offspring. And this dragon conjures up these two terrifying beasts. A sea beast and a land beast. And these two beasts aren't cosmic, like all up here in the spiritual realm. Rather, these are two real entities that the dragon uses to lure us away from worshiping the true God. So check this out. The dragon, this is Revelation 13, stood on the shore of the sea, and I saw a beast coming out of the sea. It had ten horns and seven heads, whoa, the ten crowns on its horns, and on each head a blasphemous name, dot, 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 it goes on. People worshipped the dragon because he had given authority to the beast, and they also worshipped the beast and asked, who is like the beast? Who can wage war against it? Are you kidding me? Let me try to unpack this. The dragon gives this power to the sea beast, which represents Rome and its emperors. It represents Rome and its emperors. Verse 1 says, On the horns of this seven-headed dragon were blasphemous names. And verse 4 says, People worshipped that. Who were the people to worship? The sea beast, which represents, hmm, some would say the crowns might represent 10, you know, of the emperors of Rome. Some might say, hey, by the way, Rome was actually built around seven mountains, seven-headed dragon. Interesting, subversive, crazy language. We know this. The Roman emperors were considered gods. Whenever Rome took over and 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 infiltrated a city and conquered, they put placards up that said, Kyrios Kaiser, Caesar is Lord. They would place them all over to let them know that the Caesars were from the gods. In fact, Rome, in Nero's reign, he had minted on the coins a name that said this, Nero, Savior of the world. Domitian, the emperor that would have been in control maybe when John was writing Revelation, he made the people address him, our Lord and God. So when Jesus said, if you see me, you see God. Or 
I and the Father are one. Or when the people said like, oh, hey, Kyrios Christos, Jesus is Lord. I mean, the emperor, the empire has to take that out. No way, there's one Lord, it's Caesar. You understand? So, I mean, this is a picture right here of Domitian's temple. This was the temple for emperor worship to Domitian in Ephesus. Now, you had to go and you had to offer sacrifices at Domitian's temple in Ephesus to our Lord and God. Now, if you were a business person or in one of the trade guilds, guilds, you were required to go and offer sacrifices to Domitian, the emperor. Required. And if you didn't, well, your business was shut down. And if you didn't, well, you might be killed. And John warns that we, the faithful, are not to worship the sea beast. Ooh, this is getting a little political. I mean, you can see why John cloaked his writing in dragon beast language. And that's why nationalism or patriotism can be so dangerous. We can so quickly believe that Rome has the answer. We can so easily line up the kingdom of America with the kingdom of God. And then there's this uh, second beast from the land, and I'm not sure if you're with me, so let's add some music. Then I saw a second beast coming out of the earth. It had two horns like a lamb, but it spoke like a dragon. Whoa, lamb imagery. Like the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, Jesus. But this one is like a lamb. It exercised all the authority of the first beast on its behalf and made the earth and its inhabitants worship the first beast, the land beast. It's trying to make the people worship the emperors, the empire, Rome. It also forced all people, great and small, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hand or on their forehead so that they could not buy or sell unless they had the mark which is the name of the beast or the number of its name. This calls for wisdom. Let the person who has insight calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man. That number is 666. That's good enough. (laughs) Uh, Let me say this. The land beast, this land beast represents what I want to call the propaganda machine of the imperial cult, Rome. Now, just work with me here. The Pax Romana, the peace of Rome. I mean, that's what the Roman Empire taught. This idea that they were going to bring world peace, Pax Romana, Romana. And the way to do it is through money and violence. The land beast represents all the advertisements, all the sound bites, all the billboards, all the brainwashings that have to happen in order to keep the people believing that Rome was their savior and that the Caesars were their gods. 
Because Rome was sent here by the gods, by the way, by God. And this empire will be the world's salvation if you only obey. Pledge your allegiance to it. Does that sound a little close to home? One nation under God. This beast looks like the Savior. It looks like a lamb. But we are called to worship the true lamb. Seven. Numbers are big in the Hebrew Jewish world, the Bible. Seven. It's the number of completion. God created and completed the world in seven days. Seven, seven, seven would be complete completion. Like it's like the triune God, Father, Son, and Spirit, and completion of the seven days of creation all in one. Seven, 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 kingdom of God. The kingdom of Rome is a six, six, six. And isn't that the worst kind of evil? So close, but so far away. John is warning us not to be seduced by the 666. My problem is that I often think 666 is 777. See, the 777 says, if you want to be great in God's kingdom, learn to be the servant of all. The 666 says, power is money. Or the number of followers you have on Instagram. The 777 says, it's better to give than it is to receive. The 666 says, consume, consume, consume. Use your debit card. You are what you buy. The 777 says, if someone has two coats, he should share with him who has none. And the 666 says, no, you need a third coat. The 777 says, it's easier for a camel to go through an eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And the 666 says, no, actually the key to life is being a rich man. Jesus said, the love of money is the root of all evil. And the 666 says, no, it's the root of all happiness. Come on. The 777 tells us that we are caretakers of God's creation. And the 666 says, no, 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 no. We use creation to make money. Care or cash Cash. 777 says, turn the other cheek. But the beast says, no. Let's make some more nuclear bombs and increase military spending. 777 says, put your sword away, for all who live by the sword will die by the sword. The 666 beast says, no teachers should pay. Jesus, the 777 hung out with people from the wrong side of the border, and they called him a glutton, a drunkard, and a friend of tax collectors and sinners. And the 666 beast says, that's exactly what we call him, because we need to be leery of certain people with certain skin tones, with certain accents from certain countries, people in certain levels of the social order who walk into Starbucks who need to stay out of our neighborhood. And Revelation 12 and 13 is calling us to stand up against the beastly realities of the empire. We're called to expose the counterfeit kingdom of the 666 and announce the upside-down kingdom of the 777. On April 4th, just like two weeks ago, 
we commemorated the 50th year anniversary of Martin Luther King's death murder. On March 7th, 1965, I was eight years old, sitting with my mom on the couch in our house, watching a black and white TV as Martin Luther King led hundreds of black people over the Montgomery Street Bridge in Alabama in a protest, a nonviolent protest. He stood up against the dragon, the propaganda machine of American history. He exposed the 666 of the American beast and was willing to die for the 777 of the kingdom of God. As the worship team comes up, um, I just would like you to watch a little clip from the movie Selma. Just watch. John's revelation is forcing us to realize a new reality. We are called to stand up against the counterfeit kingdom that can seduce us into worshiping a certain race, a system, or ideology, or a war that actually stands against the kingdom of God. And even when it feels like we could be losing, we fight on. Because God is our victory, and he is here. Because one day, that beast will be no longer. Whitworth, Revelation is calling us to live in a new zip code. Move out of the 666 and into the 777. Go in the peace of God.